You are listening to Evolve with Nicolette. My name is Nicolette and I'm on a journey of healing my soul, evolving my mindset while building my up and coming small business, all the while being the best mommy and wife I can be. Please follow me on all social media platforms at Lush Paper on Instagram and on Facebook. Also, please follow my hashtag Evolve with Nicolette. Now on to this episode. Hi, everyone. I wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in week after week and listening to my story and tuning in to listen to me share. I really do appreciate it so, so much. You have no idea. I can't even express it into words properly. Um, This week's episode, I recorded it about a month ago. And just right now, I just re-listened to it. It was so emotional for me to record it. And it was something that I was like afraid of posting um, because I want to forewarn you, I cry a lot on this episode. I don't sound crazy, but I do cry a lot. So just wanted to put that a for- like forewarning on there. Um, but I share a lot of my struggle with my mommy guilt and how um, how my relationship is with my dad and how I try not to you know, I want to break that cycle with my oldest son and with my sons in general. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode and it might be a little bit hard to listen to. Um, you know, just, I don't know if someone might get triggered or, you know, might get sad or something, but this is my story and how I'm, you know, this is my process of evolving and becoming a better person, especially becoming a better mom um, for my son. So I appreciate you guys so, so much for tuning in. Um, and this is a special episode. Um, I filmed it. I mean, I recorded it about a month ago and I barely listened to it right now and it's not as bad as I thought. So I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, definitely gives you a lot of background to my story. So thank you so much. And here's the episode. I'm, I'm so blessed that I guess I have this outlet because I get to document my beginning and if anything, like if nothing comes from this, at least my sons have this to see my growth as not only their mom, but like as a human being. And that's really cool. They get to hear my life and my voice. You know, that's pretty... I don't know, that's pretty inspiring to me, you know, because if I don't mean anything to anyone, I know that I mean the world to them, you know. And I want to do right by them. I don't want to fail at the things I'm trying to do. Because I know that they're watching. And. uh, There was one person one time. Oh, I think it was Susie Orman. I think that's her name. She's like a big uh, financial advisor. And she was someone that was always featured on with Oprah. And Oprah would have her. Especially like, you know, for like. uh, I guess. Um topics on debt and how 
to be uh, make smart financial choices. And she said one time that you can't already set a bad example for your children by saying to them that in a in a way that you don't like going to work, you know, like everyone at one point or another has to work. And but if you make it so that I'm, you know, to give them a healthy relationship with money and with working, you yourself have to set that, you know, that example for them, you know, and that was so important because, you know, my mom and dad never really showed any like, like, oh man, I gotta go to work. Like they never really showed like me that before. And for, for me, I want them to see me creating and doing the things that I'm doing. Like I remember when they were younger, they would always see me creating all these party things, like, you know, party banners and invitations. And they were like as young as like two and three years old asking like, oh, mom, who's this for? Or they'll recognize like the character I made the invitation, whether it was um, Cookie Monster or Disney princesses or any Marvel heroes. They're like, oh, wow, like, is it my birthday? And then, like, no, it's not your birthday. It's somebody else's birthday, and I'm, mom's making it for them. And it was, you know, like, I never made it to be like, oh, I got to go to work, you know? Like, because I want them to have a healthy relationship with going to work or making something and working on your business. And um, I want them to have already that foundation of, like, this is what you're supposed to do when you get older, whether it is you love what you're doing and you go to work to do that, or you create something and you like and enjoy the process while you're doing it. So I'm even mindful when I say, I hardly ever say to them like, oh, I don't have money for that. Or we can't afford that. Because I don't want them to already have instilled in their mind the lack, you know, or just like, oh, we don't need that right now. Or We'll buy that some other time. It's definitely the way how you, you know, phrase things uh, for your kids and then also for yourself and your, you know, because you're, I don't, I don't really want to go on a tangent about this either, but I've been trying to read up a lot on our conscious and our subconscious mind. So our conscious mind is like, I'm my I'm conscious right now and I'm talking and I made the conscious decision to come and to record and to do this episode but your subconscious mind is where your goals are and it does not know the difference between reality or something that just happened in your imagination so when you vividly think of scenarios or things that you think will happen in your life and you envision them and you think about it, your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. So that's why it's very important that you create your own reality so that it could come into fruition. But then if you're also thinking all the time about lack and scarcity, that is going to be playing in your subconscious mind also because it doesn't know the difference that even though you do have money in the bank, but yet 
you talk negative about money, negatively about money, your brain's going to think that you don't have money because you're just talking, you're just talking uh, poorly about your relationship with money. So that's why it's very important for me now because I'm so conscious of what I say to my children now. At least try to. You know, I'm being trying to be very aware of how I phrase things and you know, because I'm barely, you know, I've only been a mom for the last eight years, you know, and two of you know, two to three of those years my children didn't really talk, you know. And now I'm able to have conversations with them about like what they think about things and how they perceive things. And it sucks because, you know, especially my older two who are in school, one of their biggest phrases that they say is that they can't or it's hard or I don't know how. Um, and that's like something that I really would love to work. Like I'm trying to work on that already, you know, and say things like, no, it's not hard. It's something that you'll figure out. Like you have everything else, like definitely having those conversations with them is very important to me. Because I just want them to be happy human beings in this world. And I don't want them to have to heal from my traumas and that I project onto them. I definitely don't want that to happen to my kids. So that's why I'm just, you know, I'm just a lot, I'm just much more aware of what I'm saying. And I'm definitely not perfect. And it's something that's hard because I'm also wired a certain way. And I'm trying to reprogram the way how I think about everything in my life. Everything. And how... I don't want to live with fear anymore. And I just want to fully dive deep into what I intend for my life and all the goals and dreams that I have set out. And I feel like I'm doing a better job of what I want that future to look like specifically and in great detail. And it feels more tangible since I've done that. Like I could almost cry because even though I don't have those things yet, I'm so grateful because they will happen. I'm grateful already for those things. And they're not just going to be dreams. Like it's reality, like it's done. I said it's done and that's what it is. It is so. Um, It was. So my son had my oldest son. um, He learns differently than other children. So I, you know, he's definitely, uh, you know, people want to say that he was delayed and he is a little bit not where everyone else is. 
And this is something that has been very, very hard on me for the last, oof, since he was like three. Something that's, you know, I kind of feel like him and I are growing up together. And I'm sorry for the long pauses. I just don't want to cry that much because I do not have the prettiest crying voice. (laughs) I definitely have the Kim K ugly cry face. (laughs) I grew up, I'm Filipino Mexican, but I grew up mostly with my Filipino side. And when you have, when you come from, um, like the Filipino culture, like I, like I did, like you're instilled with these types of values and this type of foundation that you are expected to do things a certain way. And you're expected to get and attain this level of success by doing it one way and one way only. And, you know, because I don't blame them for like my parents or my aunts and my my uncles and my grandparents, I don't blame them for instilling that in us. If anything, that's great because it's what gives you drive. It's just a matter of how you approach it to your children. You know, because my family, when they were in the Philippines, didn't have much. You know, it's a third world country. No running water, no electricity. Like, it's, you know, that's scarce, you know? No stand-up shower. What is that, right? So, of course, they're going to come to America and want this better life for you. And I kind of always say that we were always served a meal with a side of guilt. (laughs) Because you always had to finish the meal because... Well, we didn't have this in the Philippines, so you need to eat everything that's on your plate. You know, that type of guilt. And it's, everything happened like, we didn't come to this country for you to come to get C's and D's. And so A's and B's were what was accepted only in my family. And out of... Out of all my cousins, like I kind of felt like I was one of the ones that really struggled with school because it just did not come naturally to me. It was like I definitely had a hard time learning and comprehending everything. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know. Maybe school wasn't for me. But high school was great because and I actually told this story today to a couple of my, my cousins that you know, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, we didn't come from a family that was like raised with allowance or like with, you got like rewarded treats. Like when you did good in school, that was your only job was to get A's and B's. You know, that was your only job was to excel in school. So like, I don't, I'm not going to pat you on the back for what you're already supposed to do. You know, like that's the type of mentality like we grew up with. Or that was, like, instilled in us. So, I just wanted my dad's approval, you know? I wanted to be up there, too. I wanted to get recognized and praised. Just like my cousins were, right next to me. And I I remember because I only got Citizen of the Month. 
in elementary one time. And that was in kindergarten. (laughs) And all my life, I feel like I've had to prove how much, like, how Filipino I was, how, like, how Filipino I was, how Mexican I was. It was always this culture pull and identity crisis all the time because I don't look Asian and to some people I don't even look Mexican but I feel like I do look Hispanic more than anything else so it's always like these like these pulls with my identity and like these issues and complexes that I had growing up was that I always had to prove 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 and you know you know it's stereotypical but all my Filipino friends were always doing great in school. And it's kind of a requirement that you do well. You know, because that's what's expected. And that's a lot of my, you know, my friends and I grew up with those values. And it always was like a chip on my shoulder that the only Citizen of the Month award I ever got was in kinder. And every grade I was in, every month would go by and I would never get chosen. I was a big yapper in class, totally. And, you know, mediocre, I guess, average in standards. And, but in high school, I had a rough first, I had a rough freshman year because my whole world was like, upside down because it's a brand new school, uh, you know, I'm in a brand new school on a way much bigger campus than my little elementary middle school was. And here I am in this big old school, but then I eventually found my stride and I found, you know, my friends in high school and 10th all the way to my senior year was absolutely amazing academically. Like I, I mean, I wasn't like straight A student, but I was doing good enough and, you know, trying my best and really, um, really applying myself in school. And I did a lot of big things like, you know, start up a couple clubs and I was, um, co-editor in chief of a newspaper. Yeah. Total to a lot of people might think like it's a big old nerd, but it was cool to be smart in my years of going to school. Like you did not want to get left behind. I did not want to not become a peer counselor because everybody was doing it, you know? Like it was a cool thing. You had privileges when it came to being super smart. And I wasn't super smart, but I really tried my hardest. And um I remember on my senior year like uh, in my junior year, my senior year it was such a big goal to have all the stash, the sashes and the medals around my neck when I was walking across the stage during graduation. So I really put up the volume and really asserted myself during that time. And I, on senior awards night, I applied to all these scholarships and I won a, like, you know, I thought I was, so I had my parents come to senior awards night and I didn't even know that I was, I thought I was just only going there to just to get my National Honor Society sash and my California Scholarship Federation sash, golden blue. And because that meant also, too, that I was going to be sitting with my friends in the first two rows. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this was all with incentive. Okay. Like, I totally was doing it to be with my friends 
And, but, I mean, I you had to do the work. It's not like I was um, not doing the work. I definitely did the work and applied myself to make sure I was in there with my friends. But I told this story today that I was sitting at, like, you know, during my high school graduation with, like, these sashes and this medal. And, you know, I didn't do it for, you know, just... I thought I was doing it for myself, but I really was doing it for my, you know, for my parents and my family's approval, you know, and on senior awards night, I ended up getting about almost $5,000 around that number. I think I don't remember, but I got called up so many times to get, um, it had to be at least like four times. I had no idea I was getting any of that. My, our college counselor definitely did an awesome job of keeping that from me because I was utterly surprised and it was great for my parents, you know, because they didn't know. And I felt like, I feel like if they were ever proud of me in their life, like that was definitely one of the proudest moments. And then when I graduated high school, also my dad gave me the biggest hug and I don't think he's hugged me that hard ever since, but like, I'll remember that and I'll treasure that forever. Uh, but I don't want to, you know, even though those are good memories, I don't want to, you know, I want my sons to be motivated and I want them to apply themselves, but I don't want them to do all that stuff for my approval. I want them to do it for themselves. You know, obviously I'm not, you know, you know, let's keep it 100 too. Like I am a bit of a tiger mom and you can't, you know, like I was instilled with those values too, those values too. You only have one job to do when you go to school and that is to go to school and to get good grades, like decent, like, I mean, not even decent, like you're going to be doing decent grades in honors classes. Like, okay. You know, like, because that is what you are capable of doing. Um, but I don't, I want them to do it for them at the end of the day. I want them, you know, I don't want them to already be conditioned for, to get approval for me. So it's, you know, I'm a brand new, I feel like I'm still like, if anything, like with every milestone and with every age, I'm like a brand new mom all over again, because I've never been a mom to an eight year old before. I never been a mom to a nine year old. Every year it's gonna be a brand new set of issues and brand new challenges. And I won't know how to deal with them until I actually get into those situations. You know? And and with my oldest, um he was he has a, you know, he's just a very active child and he has so much energy that he just does not even know what to do with it himself. And he is my sweetest, sweetest boy. Oof, I don't want to cry during this. Um, but I saw a lot of my childhood and how hard and the discipline and all that stuff coming out of my mouth to now my son. And I don't want to bash my dad. But my dad was very hard on me growing up. 
hard, hard. And then I started to notice that I started to do it to my own son. And it's the saddest thing that I could admit even right now. Because I want to banish the mommy guilt. I hate that word. Because as moms, we do so much for our kids and for others in general. That the last thing that we should be doing also is putting down ourselves in the process. And sorry, I don't want to be clearing my throat on an episode, but... I'm trying so hard not to have my ugly crying voice um, captured on here, but I get it now. And I know that my son will eventually get everything. You know, like there's going to be one day with my son that it's going to just click to him and he's just going to get it. And he's already making amazing strides already compared to the beginning of second grade last year to the, you know, his first week of third grade, he could barely read when he was entering second grade. But I remember sitting through an IEP meeting with, and there was this angel of a teacher sitting right next to me. And I, I mean, um, IEP meetings are when your child is on a specified program to help him because he's have they're having difficulty in whatever it is that they're having, and it's something that's by the school board, and it's just it guarantees that your child would have the attention that they require so that they could excel and improve. And because they're just showing signs of of uh they needed the help, you know. And this wonderful teacher that I think I'll remember her for the rest of my life because of her is a reason why, you know, like people have hope. You know, people have compassion and her name's Miss Winslow. And she was actually a sub and took over for Carlos um Carlos's class when he was in kinder. And she could probably see that I was overwhelmed. And she kind of, uh, she leaned over and was like, he'll be all right. (laughs) He'll be okay. And you're doing a great job. He's just a late bloomer, she said. And that was so meaningful and so like it was such a blessing for me I wanted to collapse in that moment and just cry it all out because when you have people telling you that something's wrong with your child or like they're not like you just I just felt so guilty from that and I guess I still do Because I was so hard on him. But I didn't know how to deal with that. And I think that's why I'm here. Now trying to fix 
and deal and process the trauma that I went through when I was younger. So I don't project that onto him anymore. And that he's only in the third grade. He has so many years of school left to go. And I don't want to give him this complex of like, I don't want him to have to heal from me. I don't, I'm sorry for the long pauses too. Like I said, I'm really trying not to, (laughs) trying to really at least be able, you could like comprehend what I'm saying. And I'm so hard on him. And I'm so sad that I do that. Because he's only eight. And I'm, and I just, I don't know what to do, but to just, I don't know, like, I'm sorry, like, I don't know. And I could only just keep on working on myself to be better for him and all three of them, actually, you know, and... And that I'm doing my best. And I don't want to feel that guilt anymore. And I just want to go forward. But process what this is. And then move on. Like. I mean I've cried to my husband many times about this. And I just don't know what I'm doing. You know. I don't know how to help him. And. But he's helping me in the process, though, of getting all of whatever this is out. And I'm just so proud of all the things that he's accomplished and gotten through in these last last couple of years, you know, in third, in, in kinder, uh, no, in preschool, I remember this nasty lady was like, you know, he's three, mind you, and it's so crazy, the pressures that we put on our children so young, you know, she just came up to me, and she's like, I keep on doing flashcards with him, and he's just not getting it, and I just remember, like, what do you mean? Like, so what does that mean? Like, you're giving up on my son? Like, I don't understand. I took him out of that school so fast. I was like, I don't want to be around teachers that, like, already give up on your kids. You know, like, I, it's just, and, you know, I think teachers are, like, a blessing to just human beings in general. Because of teachers, people 
are educated and they're full of knowledge and they don't get paid damn near enough to deal with all the shit that they have to deal with. And I always, whenever like there's a door like that and I have a bad experience with the teacher and I've only had two really, or two to three, and I've always got the next, the next teacher I always got was always a blessing. And that's not, that's not by coincidence, you know, that's because I'm one and putting it out there like, oh my God, I need somebody to just help me with him. Because I don't want him to struggle later in life. I want him to be a decent, happy human being. And just love life. And just, you know. I definitely don't want him growing up hating me for being so hard on him. And I guess, I so I think that's what it is. Like, I just don't want to... For him to have the same type of feeling. And I don't want everybody to think that like I hate my dad. Because I don't. I don't. And I have. I've forgiven him just for not knowing how to express himself to me. Because he just did not know how to process his love for me. And express it in in a proper way. And he has his own traumas and his own experience you know like but like he's from a time where you know therapy and shit like this is crazy you know you just live life and you just go about it and deal with it you know so like I just know that that's my dad and I love him and he is an amazing grandfather to my children just like the way how his dad was with me you know, I was a Lolo's girl. Lolo, my Lolo, my dad's dad was, I mean, I wish I got to dance with him on my wedding day. Like, I really wish he was around. Like, my Lolo was so swaggy and such a boss, first of all. Like, I think that's why, too, I am the way how I am. Because I grew up with the damn Don in my in my life, you know, like my grandpa was a shot caller for sure. And the city that they're from in the Philippines, you say my grandfather's name, Antonio Rubin Sr. That has some, that has some weight. You know what I'm saying? Like we definitely have some weight over there. Because he just did so much. And I could go on a whole... Like, that needs to be an episode in itself, talking about that man. But I just... I understand that my dad had a rough time with his dad. And then that transferred onto me. But I could break that generational trauma. And not put that onto my son. And I've already done whatever... I You know, and I don't want to make it seem like I've... But, like, I definitely could tell, like, you know, like, I've been hard and I don't want to be like that. And I never intended to. I just did not know how to react to um, my son's needs, you know. But I'm open now and I'm doing, we're, I, we're bl- I'm blessed that the, we live in a world where the information's at our fingertips and I can research on how to help my son. And I told this story today. 
but like, you know, like I said, my son learns a little different. Like he definitely does it. He, um, is more visual of a visual learner instead of like repetitive, like the rep- repetition does not, that is definitely not his, for, uh, or a way for him to learn, uh, visually and song and video and all that stuff definitely helps him a lot better than just some flashcards. And for, he had a hard time. He would just get, and also too, like my son gets very frustrated and, um, he gets kind of like stuck in the hole of the frustration, which as a result gets me in the ultimate hole with him. And it's, it's something that I also have to learn how to process myself too, because only one of us could be frustrated and the other needs to be compassionate to that. And I'm the mom and I have to help him through that, you know? And my son was having a hard time learning how to tie his shoes. I was like, okay, well, the conventional way of teaching him isn't going to work. Like he isn't working. So I ended up YouTubing, um, how to help a child with autism tie their shoes. Now, my son doesn't have autism, but, you know, let me see what, you know, how people are teaching, you know, children with autism, how they do it. And I found this video that actually my husband, I mean, my son was able to get and mimic and he was able to tie his shoes. Now it's a very, it's very, uh, I don't know, to me it's just so long, but it's just a matter of, I forgot what it's called, like hand-eye coordination, I don't know, like it's something, like their just mind isn't processing the way how, you know, most of us do, so, but fast forward, so that was a year ago when I showed him how that special way of tying his shoes, and I was like, no, come on, man, like just you're a big boy now. Let's tie your shoes the way how mommy ties her shoes. And I showed him one time and I talked to him calmly and without any expectation of like, oh, he's going to get it on this first shot. And the look on his face when he did the two bunny ears and crossed it and put the bunny ear through the hole and tied his shoes and pulled it. That was a big victory for me as a mom. Because I could feel that generational trauma It's not going to continue with my son. And I'm doing the work right now to... To better myself for him and for his kids that he'll have. Because he was going to have... He's going to have a mom that is going to know that it's okay that every kid learns at their own pace. Every kid's different. And I'm just, you know, and I'm trying my best as a mom. Oof, a lot of crying on this episode. 
and I hope any of this is easy to hear, like, I don't even know, because I'm stuffed up, and I'm crying, and one of the biggest pet peeves I have when I listen to podcasts is when people clear their throat, or when they, like, (laughs) they do these noises with their mouth, like, oh my god, um, and I'm here, and and here I am doing it with you guys, so I really hope that doesn't bother you, but I am crying so and actually like wrote I tried to like do some bullet points so I don't get off topic but I guess this is where this episode was supposed to go today (laughs) with me in tears but yeah I didn't realize that like that moment when he tied his shoes the normal way and that look on his eyes I just know that I'm I'm doing better and what I'm doing is working. And they're, you know, they're going to be able to listen to these one day and be like, oh man, like my mom was going through it, poor thing. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And I mean... I just hope, like, it sucks because, like, I know that there's some people on here that, you know, are listening to me and that don't, you know, that are not moms or don't have a family of their own yet. Uh, but hopefully, like, the the meaning that you got behind this is that, I guess, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if all of us have, like, generational trauma that is passed down to us from our parents because of, like, we've dealt with you know, like, their issues and stuff, but, like, you're able to break that curse with you, or not even curse, like, you're able to break that cycle with you. You can make that decision. You don't have to do or continue whatever it is that you're feeling and transfer that on to your children. Like, you don't, you don't have to. And if anything, better for you if you're not, don't have any kids right now because you're able to do that work on yourself before you have any. And it's good to, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, I didn't even know that, like, hey, that's what the hell I'm healing from. I did know that, like, hey, my dad just doesn't know how to express his love for me. And if anything, he came off more, you know, he came off very tough and... I don't know, uh, just because of all the things that he's built up in himself and has not been able to process. And as a result, he has not been able to probably love me the way how he wants to. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, that's the way how I'm just processing it, I guess. And I felt bad for my dad, you know, because I could just see the stress and trauma that he holds from, like, the way how he grew up and it's painful for him and that's why you just rather not talk about it but for me I'm gonna talk about everything that's hard because the last place I wanted is in my body and in my mind that's for sure I want to process through most of it, at least, 
you know, so I could be the best mom I can be for my kids. And I'm not saying I'm the perfect mom, like, no, hell no. Before my kids, I want to be, like, the best mom for them. Because I know that it'll turn them into, if they're not going to, you know, like, just good, decent human beings. I just want them to be that and happy. And not have to deal with, like, oh, man, my mom was shitty and I am the way I am. You know, like, no, like, I just want them to be happy and live this life the way how it should be lived. And that's with, like, absolutely no fucks given. And living and loving your life. I want that for them. Because it's took me a whole almost 32 years to feel this way. And, you know, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful. Because I just feel like my life is just like on this. I feel like there's like a threshold that I haven't even reached yet. And that's super exciting to me because there's, I'm like, I'm getting there, you know. I don't even know what that means all the way. But, like, certain situations or certain things are just coming into my life. And it's, like, it's because I'm intending for those things to do so. And I'm calling out for it. And I'm praying on it and wishing for it and working on it ultimately and taking action every day to not just be, you know, work on my business, but to be a good mom and to be a good wife and to be a good sister, a good daughter, a friend. Just trying my ultimate best every single day. Like, I, you can't fault yourself for that. And I'm so glad that I did this at almost 2 in the morning. And I guess this is the reason why I could not go to sleep. I had no idea that, that all that was going to come out right now. I had all types of stuff on my paper. At least tried to jot down really fast before I started recording. Like... I saw the Astro World um Netflix documentary of Travis Scott. Oh my god. That was great. And I thought I was gonna go on this whole like motivational, like, ooh yeah, like the fuck fear and all this shit and then here I am crying my eyes out. <laughs> oh shit. I just I'm just glad that I get to do this and get to look back on it. You know, one day I, and I'm telling you the truth, like I'll listen to this at least three to three to four more times to like edit it and, uh, put it onto an audiogram and put it up on, uh, on like iTunes and stuff like that and Spotify and Anchor. And I don't listen to it anymore after that. Um, and then I just keep on moving on. Uh, so I just appreciate everybody just taking the time to like listen to me and I appreciate you sitting here through the tears and the runny nose and hopefully um you had a breakthrough moment through this or just able you know you're just riding it out with me and I appreciate you being here and listening to me it means so much to me when somebody tells me that hey keep going doing your thing like doing, you know, do you just those, um, little, little words of encouragement mean 
so much to me and I'm just so thankful that I am able to do this and there's this platform for me to do so and to hopefully maybe help somebody else. So I appreciate every single one of you listening right now. And like I say all the time, I just wish for you a blessed, blessed day. Have a good one. 